Greetings and welcome to a special Minnesota United podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams here with Kindred D. St. Aubin. Today, football takes a temporary sidestep as we focus on the subjects that really matter and we discuss and indeed celebrate all things pride. Joining us in the first portion of the podcast, a recognisable name to you all, a former Minnesota United player now bossing the centre of the San Diego Loyal midfield. Colin Martin joins us. Colin, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks, Cal. I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, I um missing uh the the summers in Minnesota, but um but I I can't complain here in San Diego. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, but would you like us to weep for you there? The summers in San Diego are terrible, I'm sure. But the winter, yeah, one thing you you will get away from is the winters. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm familiar with those, so I I won't miss that. But um no, no, it's great to be on, and and uh anytime I get a call from from anyone with Minnesota United, I I pick up, and I'm I'm glad to. Glad to be here. So wonderful. Um, so, so give us a little bit of a, an update on you then before we dive into things here. Then, Colin. I mean, things going very well at San Diego Loyal. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in my uh, my third season with the club uh, since I left Minnesota, and um, yeah, personally, things are going great. I'm uh, playing a bunch, and, and the team's doing well. I think we uh, we made uh, big jumps from our our first season to second season, and and, and now in the third, we're we're um, Towards towards the top of the table, not 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 exactly at the top where we where we think we should be, but um, uh, yeah, we're doing well, and and uh, uh, personally, uh, I'm at a part of my career where I'm playing a bunch and just in, in, enjoying my game and improving a lot, and um, yeah, so things are things are going pretty well. You mentioned they're just enjoying the game and you're in a good spot. But when we look at the journey of any professional athlete or really any human being, what's that been like for you from a mental perspective to be able to really pick up right where you left off here when you left Minnesota United? Yeah, I mean, so my uh, my seven seasons in, in MLS were, were tough, to be honest, because uh, I never was the established starter and, and I had to wait my turn a lot. And, and I was playing games when I wasn't necessarily completely fit and with a run of games and it, and it wasn't easy, you know? So, um, I think, uh, now in these past couple of seasons, it's, it, it's, um, my experiences in MLS have helped me a lot to, to, to help my teammates and, and kind of give them perspective on times when they're not playing. And, um, and, uh, but also having, yeah, empathy for guys that, that maybe they, they play one or two games in a month and they're expected to perform pretty well. And, and, and I know how tough that is. Um, so, but um, I also give myself credit. I, 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 I grinded through all those years to now be able to, to, to bear the fruit of all, all, all the hard work. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a step down at the USL from the MLS, but, but the, the quality has been, been pretty good at San Diego. And, and yeah, I've really been, been enjoying it. So, Colin, during your, your time at Minnesota United as well, you were dealing with a lot personally off the field as well and, and obviously um, several years ago when you when you came out there was a tremendous amount of support here it felt like from the Minnesota United community what what was your experience during everything a couple of years ago yeah so so when I um when I left DC I I really made it a point um personally off the field to be completely open and honest with my teammates and and, and people at the club and um I remember the, uh, I'll tell you a little, a little story. We were in preseason in, in Portland and, uh, this was the, our first season at the club and, uh, Angie Blaker, who's, who's still at the club. She, 
she was my she was my pal and and, and we were at the hotel uh, lobby and I handed her a letter and I said you know I I, I really need to send this letter out he's like she, she said what are you what, what are you trying to send a letter out for like what, what what do you want about and I said no I need this I it's important I need you to send this letter to my boyfriend and she said boyfriend what do you mean boyfriend and so basically that's how I came out to her I wanted it to be pretty pretty natural and and uh, just from from there then on uh, with with teammates at, at at dinners early in preseason I was just able to to naturally come out to people and it, and it felt very um uh, just nat- natural and, and and I was I was supported and 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 my teammates yeah didn't bat an eye really from from the from the beginning the first year and so um from there into the second year I even made more strides but maybe off the field in the community and uh just felt really comfortable and um obviously that led to um during pride month and during the second season coming out on a on a national level so I think maybe we can get into that more but uh but the yeah the, the one really unique thing is that there was never a moment with the club that I had to maybe come out to a lot of people and and, and it was all sort of uh on a person to person basis and just like anything naturally uh news spreads around the club and 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 so um I was I was treated very well in that regard when you left D.C. and you said when you joined Minnesota United, you made it a point to make sure that you were open and honest um, with yourself and with others and just being who you are. What what made you want to do that? What what was the catalyst for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, so I told a couple teammates right before I left and I, I had nothing but support from them. And uh, at the time, I, I, I'd come out to my parents right before I came out to Minnesota. And so that was a big deal for me because that was the last big coming out that I had to do. I had told my friends, I had told my siblings, um, uh, a lot of people, my teammates even knew. And so telling my parents was, was huge. And it, it, it took me too long. I was in that. It was, it was um, a, a contentious thing having to tell my parents that I've come out to all these people except for them. So that was hard. Um, but, uh, but no, so I, I, I had been supported by, by those people that really mattered. And so I, I thought, you know, these, these guys in the locker room here in DC, my, my teammates, the, the few that I told, they they gave me the courage to then um, be open with my other teammates, and and so I, I I thank them a lot, and there are guys I still talk to now, and um, and I, I for sure wouldn't have been encouraged to make those steps in Minnesota if it wasn't for them. It's it's a completely different kettle of fish, Colin, coming out to your teammates, but coming out to your parents, how, how was that process psychologically for you, and and how did you and they deal with everything? Yeah, yeah, I mean. For, for, I think the main reason was because I cared the most about what they thought and, and they, they knew me the most. And um, uh, I was living in, the, in their home at the time. So it all felt very um, close and I didn't have a, a separation. So um, I think a, a lot of me wanted to move out and, and be at a different club and, and, and then come out to them because at the time I was a homegrown. So it was all, it was all very close to home. Um, but then when, when I realized I was going to be joining another club, I, I, I knew I had to tell them before I, I left. And, 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 um, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. We all, we all come out at different parts of our life. And, um, and I, I think for me, I, I, I've talked a little bit about my, my religious upbringing and how that was hard for me growing up in the church and wondering if my parents were going to accept that part of me. And, um, considering I, I was getting some mixed messages from, uh, the church and, and, and where my parents were at. And, and it wasn't clearly defined how they 
how they felt about gay people. And, and, and I think that's one of the, the most beautiful parts of, of, of my coming out with my parents is that we, we now can have these conversations and I, I know exactly where they stand on things. And, um, but yeah, when I came out to them, I was very fortunate. They were extremely loving and supporting. And, um, but I think we might talk about uh, later in the podcast, but, uh, the idea of that, even though I was ready personally, my parents maybe were on a different level in their journey in terms of accepting uh, or hearing that news. Um, and uh, I guess maybe I didn't, I, I didn't take that into consideration when I was, when I was coming out to them, but I still stood firm and in, in, in what I knew and, and was ready to, to do that. And, and I was able to help them along, along the way. And you're, you're right. We're going to talk a little bit and dive a little deeper into that aspect of it, but just again, on your path and your journey, since you came out here with when you were with Minnesota United, what has your journey looked like from that perspective? I mean, all of a sudden you said it, you kind of came out nationally and you didn't realize the positive effect and influence that you could have on others that might be dealing with going with thinking the same things that you were. What has your journey looked like? I mean, I know you've had a, a million appearances and interviews and conversations. What does that journey look like for you? Yeah, well, th that question brings me to the, to the idea of, would I have come out if it would have been a different club, if it would have been a different city, a different state? And that's a real question. And, um, and I, I'd like to see, think I would have got there, but if it wasn't for the support of the club and my teammates and, uh, and even the community in the Twin Cities, I don't think I would have gotten to that point. So I, I've tried to give, give you all a lot of credit. I've, uh, I had, a a friend that I met in, um, that I, so I used to live in Mowing Park and he's, um, I met him across the street in downtown Minneapolis and, and he was a mentor and, and, and a big LGBTQ advocate. And, um, and he really, honestly, during Pride Month, he, we sat down and I said, Jake, I just did this interview and I lied to this, to this woman about, about my support for the LGBTQ community. And, and she wanted to know why I was, I was invested in, in doing this playing for pride thing and supporting these causes and supporting the gay community. And I, and I just couldn't be honest with her. And I felt like, um, a terrible person for, and, um, we talked through it a lot. And, and, and basically he said, there's, I don't think you ever need to do another interview without being honest with, with, with who you are. And, but, but also think about all the people that you could possibly impact. And I genuinely, needed someone to tell me that because I had no idea. And, um, and I knew it was going to be hard. I knew I was different per se, but I, I didn't know, um, that people needed to hear this and that I potentially could help people. Um, so it's people like my friend Jacob that, 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 that really helped me. And, and, and from the moment I was in Minnesota, I felt completely supported. And, um, I mean, even, even the politics of the state, it, it makes a difference, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and obviously I, I got to know a lot of people that were politically active in the state and, and, and hearing how much, uh, they wanted to push the state forward and, 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 and make it a place that everyone feels accepted. And, um, that stuff meant a lot to me. Colin, it sounds like you've had a lot of support in San Diego as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I have. Um, yeah. Where do, where do I start? Um, I think, uh, if, if those, uh, maybe there's some people that don't know, but I mean, my team walked off the field in support of me. So, um, wow. I, I never thought that truly 
if you would have told me as a kid that that would have happened, that would have been a nightmare for me. Um, but yeah, for those of you that that don't know, there was a, a slur used against me during a game um, in our first season. And um, basically we asked the, the referee and the club to do something about it. And if not, my teammates were going to walk off the field and support me. Nothing was done. And that's exactly what they did. And um, it uh, that news was was spread around the world. And, and it, it was a crazy testament of what um, what a good ally looks like, good teammates, um, the support of the coach that I had in the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's truly an incredible story. And, um, and another, it was an extremely personally hard moment, but there was a beautifully beautiful outcome that, that came of it. And that was a, a story of um, straight heterosexual teammates supporting their gay teammate and willing to risk a playoff game, risk playing another game in the season to support a teammate and walk off the field. So pretty, pretty crazy. What does that mean when you say, you know, as a child, something like that would have, I forget the word you just used, terrified you, mortified you, whatever it was that, it, you know, that you were causing this to, to happen per se. What does that mean exactly for others that might be listening? If you're a young child or a teenager, but now it's more like this embracing moment and like, wow, this is pretty amazing that I have this kind of support. Yeah, Kendra. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. I mean, it's just as a kid, you you, you just want to play the game, and and when you think that that potentially your sexuality is going to be a hindrance to you continuing to play the sport you love, um, that's where that's where nightmares come in. That's where um, you just you you fear that there there's a place in, in sport for you, and that's um, the last thing anyone deserves to be thinking about. Um, and so, for me, I think that's a, that's where a lot of my competitiveness came about growing up when I was on the field. I, I never wanted my sexuality to have an impact on me rising up in the sport and continuing to, to, to do what I love. And, um, and, and, and so a, a lot of my advocacy today and why I came out is because I don't want there to be a kid growing up out there thinking, Oh, you know, this isn't a place for me sport. And because this game has given me so much, it's, it's really been a part of my life since I was just just a young young little kid, and 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 so um, I want everyone to be able to experience the the experience that I've had. Do, do you think it, it has, Colin, in, in certain aspects? Do you think it has affected your career and, and football in general for you? Um, I, I think I've, I've I've had to maybe deal with certain things that others haven't. Um, on a personal level, for sure, for sure, I think my attention and my um, energy at times during my career was was in places, especially when I was honestly playing for DC United. I was going through, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I was going through a phase of really kind of getting to understand myself and accept myself. And so there, came, there became a point where that was more important to me than success on the field. And, um, and, and, and my energy off the field was more important because I'm going to have to live with this my whole life. And if I can't accept myself and if I can't, um, if I can't be proud of who I am, who cares about soccer? Um, but, uh, but, but for sure, I mean, but, but, but Cal, the thing is we all are dealing with something, you know, and, and, and so um, whether it's, it's homophobia or, or I know plenty of, plenty of teammates that have dealt with racism or, 
or they've dealt with loss in their life or, or the, so we're, we're, we're all overcoming something at, at times. But um, I, yeah, I would be remiss if I said that, that it maybe didn't take away some of my energy or wasn't hard at times. Do you think if they're, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but when you look back at when you're in your younger years, if there was something when you grew up, like, and you can walk people through it a little bit, what you've done with San Diego and what some of the money was going towards um, with the hospital there, if there was something like that for you then, would it change how you went about your younger life? I mean, because some people might say you're a homegrown, you're in D.C., you were surrounded by this community that knew you, loved you, embraced you, but you weren't in that moment able, you know, comfortable enough to come out. Would it have changed if you had different kinds of support? Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I think that's where that's where role models come in. I did, there was there was Robbie Rogers, but he didn't come out until when, when I was playing. So so growing up, I didn't have I, I didn't know that was a possibility. I didn't I didn't think there was anyone like me. I um and and so having a role model like Robbie, if I was a young kid would have been, would have meant a lot, you know? And so thinking about how, um, at the time I was the only active one, how still there's no active players that that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. And, um, so yeah, and just the, the, the question of, um, sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but how are there so many female out, uh, athletes on all different, playing all different types of sports and there's just really not a ton of males and what does that say you know and 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 clearly there's an issue there um and uh so that's 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 something i i care about i was talking to the mls next kids um this week about um just their their use of language and and, and being a little bit cognizant of uh how not all their teammates have the same background growing up and they might be um, not ready to share this news, but they might be gay, and those words could really affect them in in, in the locker room. And um, and I think one of the reasons why we don't have enough males is because maybe during those formative years they hear this type of homophobic language and they think maybe you know this isn't for me. I like this sport, but I'm not willing to hear my teammates talk like this uh, nonstop, and or my coaches, or have my teammates say this, and my coaches not say that language is wrong, and make it a safe space. So, so that's kind of, um, those are some things I, I care about, but then, uh, sorry, that's a long answer, but then, but for sure to see clubs, um, and, and, and now, like you said, you alluded to my, my San Diego loyal team, we supported, uh, Rady's children's hospital and the gender affirming care center last year. We raised thousands and thousands of dollars, um, for that center and to, to see that support now from clubs, it, it directly linked to the community and, and, and to the gay in, in trans communities is, is incredible and it's something I didn't know was a possibility and I think the more you see that now um, it's going to mean a lot to kids. Colin you, you are um, an utter inspiration um, if, if there are individuals that are in a situation where they, they might not be sure of what to think whether it's about themselves or about their surroundings what, what, what advice would you give what, what would you say to those individuals? Yeah Cal um, this is a this is the this is the hard and, and good question to ask. Um, no, I, it, it, it's tricky. I, I keep coming back to to, to trusting um, your loved ones and giving them a chance to see you for who they are. Um, the, the, the sad reality is that um, that isn't always a safe space um, to go to your family. Um, but this could be a friend. This could be that, that we talk about the chosen family. This could be someone that you 
you choose to open up to. Um, but I think verbalizing it and, and sharing what's going on with yourself to, to the people that, that love around you is, is a good place to start because hopefully they can be there to support you. And, and, and then, um, and if they don't have all the answers, maybe now there are places like reclaim and we'll get to talking about them soon where you can, you have the resources now to be able to talk to people and, and understand that. Um, I think, uh, we, we alluded when I came out to parents, they weren't necessarily at the same level um, uh, as I was when I came out. Um, and maybe if we, they mentioned, hey, let's all go to therapy as a, as a family and, and, and let's, let's do this. And I said, you know what? You two can go to therapy. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right here. We're, we're, so, um, but at the same time, if I had a place for the three of us to go to and, and, and have a person sit down and talk with us, it would have been really beneficial. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more of that stuff soon. Yes, absolutely. What we'll do is we'll take a, a quick break and then we will indeed welcome in uh, Ryan Fouts, the executive director of Reclaim. Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Okay, so joining us now in this period of the podcast, we welcome in Ryan Fouts, who is the Executive Director of Reclaim. Reclaim is a non-profit organization in St. Paul that strives to help queer and trans youth across the Twin Cities and beyond. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the pod. How are you? Doing great. Thank you all for having me. Thank you for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. So we've sort of touched on, on the basics of what Reclaim is and what Reclaim does, but but go into it in further detail, if you wouldn't mind. What, what exactly is the aim of Reclaim? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, Reclaim is a nonprofit, and our mission is really to increase access to mental health care uh, so that queer and trans youth may be able to reclaim their lives from oppression in all of its forms. Uh, so we really focus on providing mental health support uh, that really looks like a combination of individual and couples and family counseling um, whenever, whenever needed. Um, in addition, we provide a variety of group options, both for youth and young adults themselves, um, as well as options for parents and caregivers and other supportive adults to be able to come in, get information, get resources, and ask questions about how they can best support youth in their lives. Um, and then outside of our direct therapy work, we do a lot of training and consultation, just sort of broader-based community education uh, with a number of partners, businesses, other nonprofits, and other groups to really work to sort of change the overall landscape of access to care, in particular for queer and trans youth. Ryan, what really 
possessed you to get involved with this at the level that you are with Reclaim specifically as the executive director, kind of going through some of your life and your history and, and what your path took you, where it took you, what possessed you to really get this thing going here in Minneapolis? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think listening to, listening to Colin share some of his story, um, there are a fair number of similarities kind of in his story and mine. Um, you know, so I grew up in rural Kansas and, um, you know, began questioning my sexuality uh, as a teenager in you know, middle school and high school, um, experienced a fair amount of um, bullying and teasing and harassment um, kind of around my presumed sexuality. Um, but, you know, at that point in, at that point in my life, feeling very much like it was not safe to, to really talk to anybody. Um, similar to Colin, I grew up in, in religious homes. And so, you know, didn't feel at that point that my parents were safe people to be able to talk to. Um, and there, there weren't any resources like Reclaim, you know, available uh, for me to gain access to. So, um, you know, my, uh, I then, I left Kansas um, kind of as soon as I could. Um, and ended up in Seattle for college and, um, you know, was able to start kind of my own self-exploration and process and journey during that time. I was able to get connected uh, through a student counseling center at my university to start kind of my own process of therapy and kind of just understanding better about who I was and who I kind of wanted to become. Um, began really building like peer and friend groups co-workers who were supportive in Seattle and kind of, I guess, sort of started uh, my coming out journey sort of in my early 20s. Um, and then also similar to Colin, then kind of had to eventually sort of back up and, and talk to my parents and come up to them. Um, you know, at the same time, my, my background is in social work, and I've been kind of really my entire career has been committed to working with youth and young adults, it's a, a population that I've very passionate about and care very deeply for. Um, and I originally started by working with homeless youth and young adults and nationally on average, 40% um, of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. Um, and so they're very vastly overrepresented in that population, largely due to family rejection and isolation, um, needing to flee unsafe homes and ending up on the streets. So, um, that has really kind of just been my trajectory over the last several years and um, ended up um, within Seattle for a number of years, ended up in the Bay Area, so kind of the NorCal representative on this call. Um, and then a couple of years ago, my partner and I came to the Twin Cities and um, I learned about Reclaim and immediately fell in love and just felt very much like this was an organization I really needed to be part of. And um, the executive director position opened up and just sort of jumped at the opportunity to be able to, to be part of an organization like this that is very much, um, you know, thinking back, like very much feeling like, you know, I could have benefited from something like Reclaim when I was a kid. And so now being at a place like Reclaim, really wanting to create opportunities for youth today that, you know, I didn't have, but really wanted to carve out that space for other people. Right. So what, what sort of resources do Reclaim offer them? What, what sort of help is Reclaim offering, particularly to the Twin Cities area at the moment? 
Yeah, so we so we really focus on serving youth ages 12 to 25, and and really anybody who um, wants to explore identity on a deeper level. You know, they might have questions about whether they're they're queer or trans, or they you know, they might identify, but they're not sure kind of what to do with how they identify. Um, and so, really, the, the the crux of our work is on providing individual therapy. So we have you know our our team of therapists who meet one on one with youth. And, and really just create a space for youth to, to really have that exploration process, to really just dig deep and kind of understand more about who they are and who they want to become and sort of just what that's going to look like for their life. So certainly, you know, our individual support is, is really key to what we do. Uh, but, you know, in addition to that, we provide um, couples support. We bring in families whenever possible, whenever they are wanting to be part of the therapy journey as well. We will bring families in and, and kind of work with them alongside uh, the young people. And then um, outside of sort of our one-on-one -on -one work, we have a variety of groups that we provide. Uh, we, for, for youth, we offer what we call a gender exploration group, which is a chance for youth to meet with their peers and build connections and sort of friendships with a group of peers um, and to have a, a chance in in particular to really explore like what is what is gender like what is what what does this word mean what does this look like um in, you know for me personally for me in society and kind of just giving folks a chance to sort of dig in and kind of unpack um all of these terms and words that get thrown around in our society and carry such a cultural meaning um so that's kind of a, a major offering that we give um for youth particularly and we are actively recruiting right now for a BIPOC support group for folks in our community who identify as BIPOC and also queer or trans to have a designated place where they can gather and support each other through um, experiences and, and just, uh, you know, what it's like to be part of multiple oppressed communities and carrying, you know, multiple identities that are impacted in our world. Um, and then a couple of things that we're on the verge of launching that we're really excited about uh, next month, we're going to be launching a brand new drop-in um, space for parents and caregivers to really just come in and meet with our staff. You know, it'll be an opportunity for folks to ask questions, to share concerns that they have, to express, you know, their anxieties around how to best support youth in their lives. Um, and then later um, in the early fall, we're also going to be launching um, sort of a parent version of our gender exploration group. It'll be a group that will really just help parents explore and sort of walk through like what what is the identity process look like for your kids and you know helping them just understand that and then helping them understand how they can sort of walk in that journey with young people as well. So Colin, I know we talked about this a little bit, but would you say that was maybe one of the biggest challenges that you faced was your parents being on a different level of understanding than you were where you were at with your journey and then ryan also is that one of the biggest things that you maybe see coming to reclaim is just trying to get yeah i think um one of the hardest things for me when i came out to my parents was their lack of understanding of some of the language so hearing my dad say oh lifestyle something like a lifestyle or my mom was so focused on certain sexual dangers or uh, sexual history of, of gay men, and that was super concerning for her. And I was 
I wanted her just to kind of accept me, give me a hug and <laughs> just say, you know, um, it, we're, it's great that you're gay. We can have those conversations down the line. Of course, those conversations are important. They wanted to, they were really, uh, uh, they obviously wanted to make sure I was healthy and, and well. And, and, and I just felt that they had, they just didn't have the education to, to be able to really speak on it. Um, so, uh, but also the reality is, um, when I heard Ryan saying that it, that they create spaces just for kids to drop in and, and meet other kids that are, that are like-minded and, and, but just also to be able to speak to, um, other queer kids, I didn't really have that. Um, I, I had one gay friend in high school and, um, uh, but I, obviously I wasn't out at the time and, and, uh, and there just wasn't enough safe spaces for me to be able to explore my, uh, that side of myself. Um, so I think that's, that's really special. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, I, yeah, just, I think to, yeah, to underscore those points from Colin. Yeah. Like that, that is a really big thing that we see when folks come in, you know, because it is, it is often, it is often pretty surprising to parents or caregivers when their child comes out, you know, and, and a young person, you know, a teenager or young adult might've been thinking about, they might've been thinking about it for themselves for you know, months, years, you know, so by the time they reach the point where they're ready to say, like, I'm ready to share this and I'm ready to be open about this, like they've been maybe thinking about it for a really long time, but you know, if their parent hasn't been on that journey with them, when you finally have the moment of saying, you know, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm, I'm this, like, that is, that is very surprising um, for parents to, to hear that in the moment. And it, and it does take time for, for families to adjust and to sort of take in the information. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we will kind of refer to that as a, as a grieving process for parents, you know, parents, or for other caregivers, you know, you have a vision for what you would assume your child's life will look like. You know, they're going to grow up, they're going to get married, they're going to have kids, you know, certain things. And and then if you learn that something might look different, um, you know, that, that sort of changes your vision and, and you kind of have to grapple with that. And I remember, um, you know, kind of after coming up to my mom, I remember one, there was one point um where she made a comment of like I really was hoping to have grandkids because I'm my I'm my mom's oldest child and she was like I really wanted to have grandkids like wait time out like you, you still can like you know it might just look a little bit different for me um you know but you know there's adoption there's foster care there's all these other ways that I can have my own kids and you can still have grandkids even though it may not be sort of in the traditional sense of having grandkids so you know, really just helping parents unpack and walk along that their own part of the journey. Colin, yeah, how, how? If I can go. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, go on, go, go ahead, Colin. Apologies. No, 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 no. I, I just want, I just want to jump back in because I, I, I feel as if I'm sounding super ungrateful to my parents, and I don't, I don't want to to come off as that because they are incredible, and I was, I was hard on them. I was hard on them, but, but it's also because I, I was sharing the most vulnerable part about myself to them and so for me it, i was ultra sensitive and i and and i just when i got the courage to be able to share that to, to them i you create this shield where you're just you're not willing to to let or you just don't want to be hurt by what they say and 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 but the the reality is 
you have to give you have to give your parents some grace and you have to give them some time to be able to come around and um and i think even still now i'm still growing with my parents and it's been almost five years now and and, it, and it's and that's a special thing you know and so i think um often i give i give more grace to my friends and to my teammates than i do my parents i'm willing to walk um with my with my teammates and say you know that was super homophobic what you just said but let's 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 educate you here and let's whereas if my dad said something like that i just I, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I would have been so I would have been so heartbroken. But um, uh, anyways, I just wanted to jump in and say that. Colin, how how important do we think places like Reclaim are? Because you touched on it briefly a little while ago. It, it doesn't seem as though this kind of support it, it is common across the United States. Yeah, no, I mean, organizations like Reclaim are are crucial, uh, especially now when uh, we see um, anti-trans bills being popped popped up in pretty much every state across the country. Um, if, if, if legislation is going to fight people being who they are, we need organizations on the ground level and communities that are going to be there to support individuals. And um, it's huge. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's important in Minnesota. It's, it, it's important in every other state as well. And um yeah, I mean, it, it means the world, and 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 like Ryan and I, Ryan and I are trying to allude to, we're all in different parts of our journey. And so, uh, if 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 I was a twelve year old and was was able to have have that support and 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 a, a place to go to, that it would have meant the world to me. Um, and so, uh, thank you, Ryan, so much for the work you're doing, and 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 I know you're you're actually impacting lives um, in a beneficial way, and 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 also to Minnesota United for, for supporting Reclaim. It's, it's, that's really amazing. And, and Ryan, we, we had a little bit of a conversation earlier, and, and Colin just hit on it there, sort of what Reclaim does from a support standpoint. But even when we look at what the obstacles are that are being faced, if it's not just legislation, but also you, you touched on it earlier in our conversation about insurance and different things. Not every workplace may be as open arms and supportive of someone coming out or what someone might be going through. So how, how is Reclaim helping families in that regard? And what are some of the situations that you're, you see and that you're dealing with? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think definitely, you know, yeah. Our, you know, as part of that coming out process and as, as youth and adults are gaining a better sense of their identity as their, as their families are coming along. Yeah. Then comes that other piece of really helping, helping folks really understand like where, you know, where, kind of like, how does your whole identity fit within our broader world? And what does that look like as you then step into different workplaces, different environments? And really, I think working with folks on, on a fairly practical level of understanding, like, what, what rights do you have? What supports do you have in place? What, what support systems can you use internally to really help you um, sort of take care of yourself as you continue to run into this? This discrimination and this harassment, whether it's at home, at school, at your workplace, um, really just helping folks to build up this internal sense of resilience as they navigate these things throughout their lives so that, um, you know, because it is, it is challenging, it is hard. You hear things on the news, you see stuff going on, and it is, um, the, the word that really comes to mind for me is there's just a lot of anxiety right now. You know, we are, 
Um, we work with insurance companies for our therapy services. We're running into a lot of challenges getting our insurance companies to, to properly support and approve the, the services that we're trying to provide, um, especially as it comes to trying for uh, trans youth to really seek gender affirming care. We're running into a lot of logistical barriers um, for folks to get, you know, the approvals to get the various, you know, whether it's um, hormones or different medical procedures that they're wanting to get, you know, we're, um, it's, it's a pretty constant battle um, just to fight with um, the companies to get that properly acknowledged as a valid, you know, valid form of care that someone's looking for. Um, and then, you know, you have the, this entire additional layer of just all of the broader sort of legislation and attacks on the rights of, of queer and trans youth in particular. Um, and, you know, people are scared that they, we've already even had some folks who access our services who have told us they don't want to use insurance anymore because they don't want a paper trail, um, you know, showing that they, the care that they're receiving because, because we don't know what's coming. You know, we don't know what, what might happen, you know, state by state or even at a national level. There's a lot of uncertainty right now of, of what's going to happen in terms of you know, rights being protected and, and upheld. Um, and Minnesota is not immune to that either. You know, there were um, six anti-trans bills passed, or sort of not passed, but introduced in the Minnesota state legislature during this current legislative cycle. Um, you know, so Minnesota as its own state is not immune to um, folks facing potential attacks. Ryan, l let's talk about positivity shall we um talk to us about some of the, the personal experiences that that have that have benefited from from your resources and what reclaim are doing yeah i think you know i think one of the first things that comes to mind is just the the opportunity that we have to be able to create um i, I use the word sort of a, a healing space that we are able to create for young people and i think just just seeing how they're, you know, as youth and as their families take that time and that, that energy to invest in this process of, of mental health support, of healing, really ultimately to help young people kind of become more and more the person that they want to be. Like, it just, it just begins to spiral out into all the other areas of their life. You know, you see if they're experiencing other mental health concerns, you see those begin to kind of fade away. Like, they're, having a lot of challenges at school, you see that to begin to kind of fade away. So it just it just creates this ripple effect to really just see um, the changes that, um, you know, when you kind of just invest this time and energy in someone, the, the way that it just really begins to shape the rest of their life. Uh, and I think just, you know, we've been, we've been remote and kind of virtual for a lot of the pandemic, but we're starting to reopen our, our offices and having folks come in. And just, just last week, we started a new group in the office and it was just really exciting to, to see people in person um, and just how much just a different dynamic it creates when you can engage in community and you can engage with people who, you know, they, they have the sense like, you know, I kind of I kind of get what you're going through and I'm kind of in a similar place. And like we, we kind of just understand each other and there can be some of that commonality and that connection. Um, I think it's just a really great thing to see. 
you know, and this being Pride Month, like we've, you know, we've tabled it at a number of Pride events and Twin Cities Pride is coming up this weekend. Um, it's just always so much fun being at those events um, and just seeing, just seeing youth being able to be very comfortable and open and just honest about who they are and, and younger and younger kids, too, you know, teenagers, you know, 10, 11, like um, just seeing that opportunity for folks to just be really visible and proud and just to be able to just have this opportunity to celebrate who they are is um, really motivating and exciting for us to to want to just continue to push and continue to create that space for even more people. So, Colin, I just want to ask you real quick. Something Ryan just said made me think of this. Do you have a specific moment, a a letter, a feedback, an encounter, something along your journey here since you've come out publicly that has really struck you, that has really hit home with you, and said? this is why I did this. This is, you know what I mean? For, for others, is there something that you can remember Colin that maybe sticks out to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's, it's sort of the, the gift that keeps on giving, um, in, in terms of my, my visibility and, and just connecting with so many different types of people and, uh, at different parts of their, their journey and they're coming out or their, um, whatever it was. But, um, honestly it was, it was the first day I, I came out, playing with, with Minnesota United. And I got a message later that day that um, one of our, uh, a young fan of the team decided to come out to their parents while at the game because of the, the courage my um, announcement gave them. And, and it felt like a safe place for them to come to the game and, and, and come out to their parent. And, and um, I've been in touch with that person for uh, over the past couple of years. And, and, and just to be a part of their journey is, is really special. And um, uh, I've been fortunate to to have had messages like that um, even even this this past year. So um, just to have people that have resonated with my story or just resonated with the fact that I'm visible and, and doing what I love is is, is very special. And um, uh, to have my story forever linked with Minnesota is um, is, is is something that I'm, I'm very grateful for. Well, look, uh, Colin, Ryan, thank you both so much for joining us. We, we really, really appreciate you telling us uh, your story. Before we let you go, though, uh, the one final question I've got for you is, what, what is the best way that, that we, those of us listening and those of us here in the room, how can we all share the love and support? Colin, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, keep on creating um, spaces where, where all different types of people um, like to come to Minnesota United games. Um, that was something that was so special for me as a player to see genuine representation out in the stands while I was playing. Um, hearing how people felt comfortable in the stands and, and, and how, you know, going to a Minnesota United game was different than going to maybe a Vikings game and, and that they felt comfortable and, and they, they, they saw people like them in the stands and um, keep creating spaces where, where, where yeah, all different types of people feel comfortable coming to your games. And, um, and then obviously uh, more so than just creating a, a broader ex- experience, um, supporting places like Re- Reclaim and actually putting your, your money and your energy and your efforts into, into places that are, are, are doing real good in the community. And so thanks, Kendra and Cal. It, it means a lot and um, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Brian? Yeah, I think I would, you know, I would, I'd actually really echo a lot of what Colin said. Um, you know, as we've been talking, um, the word, uh, the phrase uh, represent, representation matters keeps coming to my mind. And so I think, yeah, continuing to just really 
call awareness to the issues that queer and trans youth are facing, um, to really just continue promoting um, acceptance and and um, diversity, just, you know, really just continue that concept to create these spaces where folks can feel seen and heard and they, they see other people, they, you know, they're able to identify mentors and role models that they can look up to and just really continuing to raise that awareness for for youth in our communities, I think, is, is a great way to just continue um, building positive momentum and positive support sort of in the face of challenges that, um, you know, are kind of coming in opposition against us. So, and check out our website, which is reclaim.care, www.reclaim.care, um, to kind of learn more information about what we have going on here. Colin, Ryan, thank you so, so, so much for sharing your stories. Looking forward to seeing you both in the not-too-distant future. My thanks, as always, to Kindra D. St. Aubin, our producer, Andrea Correa. And as Ryan just said, you can learn more at www.reclaim.care.